Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. Steph versus LeBron. Jokic versus Booker. Joel Embiid versus Tatum and the Celtics. Jimmy Buckets trying to put away New York City. Bet Online Sportsbook has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays as we decide the final four in basketball's playoffs this week. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however, and whenever it is, you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole point of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose. And we appreciate that you have decided to join us however and whenever it is that you so choose. Today on the show, we're going to take a break from the NBA playoffs. We're going to wait until later in the week to talk about Game 5 between Boston and Philadelphia, Game 5 between the Suns and the Nuggets, Game 5 in the Warriors-Lakers series that could be ending, Game 5 in the Heat-Knicks series that could be ending. We're going to put a pin in the NBA playoffs until all of the Game 5s have been completed and we can reconvene because today we need to talk about a story that I don't want to say has gone unnoticed throughout the sports world because it's been the talk of national sports shows, a story that deserves more attention than it's getting, and a story that we wanted to take a deeper dive into today to look at the macro of sports and how sports reflect our society and how this is a conversation that mirrors the broader society. And today I wanted to talk about what happened on Monday in West Virginia and in Ohio, because Bob Huggins, the third or fourth winningest coach in the history of college basketball, 40 years between the University of Cincinnati and most recently at the University of West Virginia, Bob Huggins was called by a radio show in Cincinnati One of the hosts of the show, I believe, is one of his former assistant coaches at Cincinnati. So as a reference point here, Bob Huggins was the head coach at Cincinnati University from 1989 to 2005, spent a year at Kansas State, then became the head coach at West Virginia. He's been the coach at West Virginia now for 15 seasons, has won Big East championships. Uh, Most recently, West Virginia's moved to the Big 12 and they made it to a few Sweet 16s in the early to mid-2010s, and they made it to a Final Four back in 2010 with Bob Huggins at the helm. And 
Bob Huggins was called by this radio show, and this was the two-minute interaction that ensued, in which, in the middle of it, you're going to hear Bob Huggins say the F-slur twice, once saying it out loud, and then the second time in a derogatory manner towards Catholics. Uh, They're talking about the rivalry between Xavier University, which is a Catholic school. I believe it's a Jesuit school, but Jesuit Catholic school in in Cincinnati and the University of Cincinnati, uh, and they are also going to use some anti-trans language leading up to Bob Huggins twice dropping the F-slur. Hello. Coach Bob Huggins, you're on the air. I'm sitting here with Steve Muller in the segment. <laughs> Why would, what would make you think I wanted to talk to you? <laughs> hey, Coach. Now, we're telling Huggins stories, but we had a cut. At which you kind of took a little shot at me as not being a trustworthy person. Would you want to revise and extend those remarks? Absolutely not. (laughs) Hey, Hubs, I told him they thought it was misunderstood. Take it out of context. It was out of context. I don't know. It just it must have been it must have been my thoughts at the time. (laughs) Now, Steve also tells me that you have the best portal transfers. Have you have you poached any Xavier guys to come to oh, play for West Virginia? Catholics don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're above the fracas, aren't we? No problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you. I tell you what, any any school that can throw rubber penises on the floor and then say they didn't do it, my God, they can get away with anything. <laughs> I, 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 rubber penis. Was this I like think that trans- was at the Crosstown Shootout. Wasn't I think it? it was Transgender Night, wasn't it? What? Was that it? It was a, it was a Crosstown Shootout. Yeah, no, what it was was all those fags, those, those Catholic fags, I think. So. <laughs> all right. They, they, were, they were envious they didn't have one. <laughs> well, Steve, your comments about Bob Huggins. Is he the best? He's the, he's the best. The best ever. Is, is he the best assistant coach you ever had? Who? Steve Moeller. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, anybody who can rent two rooms, get a chair, put a pizza in between the two rooms so that he can talk to Herb Jones for two days, <laughs> he's the best. So Bob Huggins drops the F slur twice, once derogatory towards Catholics, the other time just saying the F slur live on the radio. Bob Huggins talked about rubber penises, to which the co-host brought up transgender night and being upset that they, quote, didn't have one. And anytime there's a conversation about this, as is happening in the Bob Huggins case, the conversation becomes, will Bob Huggins keep his job or will Bob Huggins not get to keep his job? And the statement Bob Huggins made was earlier today on a Cincinnati radio program, I was asked about the rivalry between my former employer, the University of Cincinnati, and its crosstown rival, Xavier University. During the conversation, I used a completely insensitive and abhorrent phrase that there is simply no excuse for, and I won't try and make one here. I deeply apologize to the individuals I've offended, as well as to the Xavier University community, the University of Cincinnati, and West Virginia University. As I've shared with my players over 40 years of coaching, there are consequences for our words and actions, and I will fully accept any coming my way. I am ashamed and embarrassed and heartbroken for those I have hurt. I must do better, and I will. Bob Huggins. So, anytime 
that a white man gets caught saying a racial slur or gets caught saying a homophobic slur or just gets caught being a public bigot, which is what happened in this case. Bob Huggins got caught being a public bigot. And so did the people on that radio station, but the people on that radio station are not the head coach of West Virginia basketball, who is like the fourth winningest coach in the history of college basketball. People getting caught being public bigot, conversation becomes, will they keep their job or will they won't keep their job? And every time this conversation comes up, it is a classic case of what I like to call and what we call on this podcast, lazy racism or lazy homophobia or lazy bigotry. Because... The laziest conversation you can have about LGBTQ plus rights, about race relations in America, about people who are being oppressed by people in the majority, whether that's based on race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, everything in between, when people are being discriminated against and seeing their rights systematically oppressed... The easiest, laziest conversation to have is about whether or not you should say slurs. And we're not going to have the lazy homophobia conversation on today's podcast, as we never do whenever a conversation like this comes up. However, every time that a conversation like this comes up, it opens the door for us to expand out to the macro and talk about why this is a story and why holding Bob Huggins accountable is really important from a practical standpoint and then we're going to zoom out to the macro from there but from a practical standpoint if bob huggins gets away with this and keeps his job he's more powerful than the university administrators and beyond that he is more powerful than the president of the school because nobody is there to hold him accountable and if there is not accountability for bob huggins then there's not really anything to slow him down. And you think that's crazy, but remember, Urban Meyer covered up sexual assault with one of his assistant coaches, got a three-game suspension, came back, and the and Ohio State University basically forced him into retirement at the end of the season. They could not fire him in the offseason, so they waited a year and forced him into retirement. Do not forget, the University of Ohio State parted with Urban Meyer and could not fire him directly, and at the same time, was held accountable for his actions. Zooming out, the reason why it's important to hold Bob Huggins accountable is because in America at this present moment, there is a systematic oppression of LGBTQ plus people, and specifically transgender people, which we're going to focus in on here today. There is an anti-trans movement across America to not only deny the rights of transgender people, but to make it such that transgender people do not exist, to force transgender people into the closet, and beyond that, to have transgender people be pariahs in society who are free to be discriminated against, and in many cases, have their rights taken away from them through legislation and through the actions of individuals. So in discussing the Bob Huggins story, there are three layers I want to discuss today. One is the national anti-trans movement in America and anti-LGBTQ movement at large. And then focus in on the anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ movement specifically in West Virginia and Ohio. Because in Bob Huggins' apology letter, he apologized to the University of West Virginia, the University of Cincinnati, and the University of Xavier. So we're going to focus in on 
those three stories today, the national anti-trans movement, the anti-LGBTQ movement in West Virginia, and the anti-LGBTQ movement in Ohio, and why this is really important to talk about when we're talking about holding powerful people accountable for their actions. Beyond Bob Huggins, but Bob Huggins will serve as a micro for a greater conversation. So let's start off talking about the national anti-LGBTQ movement. And for that, we turn to NBC4 in Columbus, Ohio, who wrote this story in March of 2023 and data from the Human Rights Campaign, all of which is available in the link in the description to this episode. The data from Human Rights Campaign and and many of the stories that we're going to share here from uh, local news stations in Ohio and West Virginia, as well as national stories from PBS NewsHour and data on LGBTQ plus rights people. So starting off, NBC4 in Ohio. The Buckeye State is one of nearly two dozen in America to introduce at least 340 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state houses across the nation. According to the Human Rights Campaign, again, that Human Rights Campaign data is available in the link in the description to this episode. The legislation continues an unprecedented wave of bills targeting LGBTQ plus people after 268 bills were introduced in 2021 and 315 were introduced in 2022. Remember, we are at 340 this year. This story was written in March. Of the 340 bills, 150 target the trans community, with 90 preventing trans youth from accessing gender-affirming care. The other 60 involve bills reshaping how students learn about the LGBTQ plus community in schools, as well as bans on LGBTQ plus books in school libraries. In 2019, not a single state had a law banning transgender youth from participating on sports teams, and by 2023, there are a total of 18 states that have passed laws banning youth from playing sports consistent with their gender identity, bans on gender-affirming care in Arkansas, and the Don't Say Gay bills in Florida have also prompted states around in, of similar political background to propose similar bills, and that includes Ohio, where Ohio has their own Don't Say Gay bill that was introduced in April of 2022, a story that hasn't gotten the same attention as the Florida Don't Say Gay bill because the Ohio Don't Say Gay bill is a copycat of the one that was introduced and shot down by the courts in Florida. And the bill states that curriculum or instructional matters on sexual orientation or gender identity would be banned in classrooms starting from kindergarten through third grade. And beyond that, they talk about age-appropriate standards. And the thing about the Don't Say Gay bill is that there is no standard set for what is age-appropriate, which leaves the discussion of gender-affirming care legally up to the interpretation of the individual, which is going to create a lot of of confusion and lawsuits based on the different political ideologies that exist within the state of Florida. And we've already seen cases like this happening in Florida. This would be an extension of that in Ohio. And LGBTQ plus advocates have shot down this bill. um, And there is a movement of parental rights 
in education in Ohio that is based on the same movement that began in Florida. In fact, people from Florida have gone to Ohio to start organizing these homophobic and bigoted parental rights in education communities that want to restrict whether gay people or transgender people or bisexual people or lesbian people or asexual queer people are even allowed to be discussed with are, are even allowed to exist within the confines of school and beyond that the pressure is going to push younger people back into the closet create more mental health issues for people who are forced to not be themselves and for the brave people who are willing to be publicly out and publicly transgender, it's going to expose them to higher rates of discrimination and hate crimes by their peers and by adults as well. Systematically taking away the rights of people, not just in Ohio, but across about a dozen to two dozen states throughout the United States. And in Ohio, there have already been more than 225 bills targeting LGBTQ plus identities in just the first three months of 2022, or sorry, 2023. And so in Ohio, there is, Ohio is following the map laid down by Florida publicly back in 2021, just as the anti-trans movement began around 2019 and 2020, states like Ohio uh, or sorry, states like Idaho passed bans on LGBTQ plus people participating in sport. They passed bans on gender affirming care. And once the Supreme Court was willing to uphold, or at least higher courts were willing to uphold those legislations, more states followed in suit because once the wall had been broken down on discriminating against transgender people and discriminating against uh, discriminating against gay and transgender and LGBTQ plus people. Once that wall had been broken down and there was legal precedent for it, the floodgates opened up and all these states followed behind Idaho and followed behind Florida. Whether or not there was political will for it, a lot of people weren't willing to push their representatives out of office. Even if it was not something that people supported, it was something that people weren't willing to push back on. Once the floodgates opened up with 18 states in America moving to pass anti-LGBTQ and anti-trans legislation, once those floodgates opened up, the cat was out of the bag because the people in those states, while they may have found it abhorrent or while they may have found it wrong to systematically take apart the rights of gay and transgender people, and queer and non-binary people in their state, it wasn't a deal breaker to prevent them from voting out their representatives. Because in Ohio, and this is where we move into the Bob Huggins micro case, in the state of Ohio, data from 2017 from a public religion research institute, and again, that data is available with the link in the description of this episode, an opinion poll found that 61% of Ohioans supported same-sex marriage, while 33% opposed it. And 69% of Ohioans supported anti-discrimination law covering sexual orientation and gender identity, while only 25% were opposed. Think about that. 69% of people in Ohio in 2017 supported anti-discrimination law. 
and 25% were opposed to anti-discrimination law. Ohio, as a state, believes that the rights of of LGBTQ plus people should be protected. And yet the state of Ohio is systematically working to take away the rights of anti, uh, uh, is, is part of this anti-trans movement to not only discriminate against anti, uh, not only to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people to also systematically take away their rights and le- uh, make punishments lesser in the legal system for hate crimes against LGBTQ plus people. And while this is happening, the people in power in Ohio are not being held accountable through the vote through public uh, financial donations and financial backings. And the people of Ohio do not view this as a deal breaker when it comes to electing politicians and electing uh, people in their judicial system who are electing legislators and electing judges and electing... Because remember, a lot of these court positions are, are elected positions. Elected officials, politicians... And congresspeople at the state level are not being voted out or held accountable for their decisions. And in essence, that makes it that the systematic oppression of LGBTQ plus people and systematically taking away the rights of LGBTQ plus people and specifically targeting transgender people is not a deal breaker for people voting in Ohio because we have been through election cycles since the anti-trans movement really began ramping up at a legislative level. 2019 was when the anti-trans movement really started gaining momentum in terms of state-level legislation and national legislation because when the bills were being proposed, courts were not shooting them down. Courts were not preventing these from going into law or governors from signing these bills. And West Virginia follows a similar pattern, and this is where we start to move into Bob Huggins, because this was data that I was not aware of until reading about this story on uh, from PBS NewsHour about how West Virginia's legislator passed a ban on gender-affirming gender health care for minors in 2023 that West Virginia has the highest per capita rate of transgender youth in America. West Virginia as a state has more transgender youth on average than any other state. And so it becomes increasingly important to protect the rights of transgender people in West Virginia. Because West Virginia is a state in which the rights of LGBTQ plus people are also included in the 18 to 24 states passing over 300 anti-LGBTQ bills. And specifically in the last year, West Virginia has been passing bans on gender-affirming care for minors, as well as making it so that it is harder for LGBTQ plus people to get jobs, making it more difficult for LGBTQ plus people to get mental health care, and making it more difficult people who are suffering from gender dysphoria, and which they talk about in here is that there is, um, by gender dysphoria is defined by medical professionals as severe psychological distress 
experienced by those whose gender identity differs from their sex assigned at birth. And while the state does carve out exemptions for people who are experiencing gender dysphoria, the levels with the levels of mental health treatment that people are experiencing are such a high bar that it makes it almost impossible for people to receive hormone therapy before the levels of distress lead to mental health issues, lack of sleep, anorexia, high rates of depression, and we're talking about like severe depression, and suicide rates. Now, this is true across the board for LGBTQ plus youth in America is that LGBTQ plus youth experience higher rates of homelessness, higher rates of severe depression, uh, gender dysphoria is a condition that is not talked about as a mental health issue for young people who are in the LGBTQ plus community on a broader level, but that is in and of itself a psychological distressor, can lead to lack of sleep, can lead to severe depression, and in many cases, higher rates of suicide. In some in some communities, as high as 50% compared to the national average or the average within their community of suicide rates. And it's incredibly important in West Virginia to talk about this because West Virginia has the highest per capita percentage of transgender youth in America or transgender people per cap, like per, per, per 10,000 people. West Virginia has the highest number of transgender people in America. And people like Bob Huggins and whether he got caught being a public bigot and whether Bob Huggins is a bigot or not is another conversation that is lazy homophobia like and lazy bigotry. Bob Huggins is part of the problem because even if Bob Huggins finds discrimination against transgender people to be abhorrent, and even if you believe Bob Huggins' statement about him accepting responsibility for his action and feeling remorse for the people that he's hurt, it's part of the problem because the people who are elected officials in West Virginia are continuing to get elected because being being a state that proposes anti-LGBTQ and anti-trans legislation and being a state that systematically takes away the rights of LGBTQ plus people, specifically within the last four years... When that is not a deal breaker for the elected officials, you are enabling these people. To, when it, it's not, it has to be that you are actively fighting against these legislations and fighting against the anti-trans movement on a state level and a national level. And Bob Huggins has much more of an influence in West Virginia and Ohio than Bob Huggins does on a national level. Bob Huggins is only in the news because of Bob Huggins saying the F slur on a radio station. Bob Huggins would not be mentioned in a national news cycle anytime until next March, if not for this story. And so Bob Huggins has much more of an impact on a local and a state level as one of the, as the I'm going to presume because West Virginia University is a public institution, and this is the case at a lot of the major public institutions, I'm going to presume Bob Huggins is the highest paid public employee in the state of West Virginia. Because Nick Saban is the highest paid employee in the state, highest paid public employee in the state of Alabama. Florida, the highest public university, uh, uh, the highest public 
school, the highest public paid public official is uh, the head coach, Billy Napier, the football coach at Florida, is the highest paid public official in the state of Florida. The highest paid public official in the state of Tennessee is Josh Heupel. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Bob Huggins working at a public institution is the highest paid public official in the state of West Virginia. And with that comes a lot of power as the public face of West Virginia University and the public face of the state of West Virginia based on the amount of money that he is being paid. Most people can't name the president of the University of West Virginia, but a lot of people can name the head coach at West Virginia. And that power and responsibility that Bob Huggins has It appears, well, now it appears that Bob Huggins is actively doing harm to the trans community of West Virginia because now the people who are are proud to be the public bigots are the ones who are going to come to Bob Huggins' defense and are going to be the ones more likely to commit hate crimes against LGBTQ plus people as retaliation for Bob Huggins losing his job, which sounds crazy. And also there's data to back up the fact that when these conversations pop up and when powerful people are held accountable, there is an uptick in hate crimes as a result of vengeance for this powerful white person. Doesn't have to be white person, but powerful white person who is held accountable for being a bigot. The bigots rally and commit hate crimes and discriminate against are are more empowered to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people and take a stand on behalf of their values of we don't like trans people and we we stand for Bob Huggins or we stand for Dave Portnoy or we stand for Glenn Kuyper who's the Oakland A's broadcaster who said the n-word over the weekend like we stand with these people because we believe that there should not be accountability for white people in these situations and even before Bob Huggins was actively doing harm to the LGBTQ plus community and it was actively doing harm to the trans community. Bob Huggins seemed pretty content to support legislation, to have anti-trans legislation not be a deal breaker in West Virginia, that Bob Huggins was going to stay silent, that Bob Huggins was not going to use his influence. And in, in many cases, Bob Huggins may have been a bigot who supported these types of legislations and the type of people who are empowered in the state of West Virginia to systematically oppress the trans community. We didn't really know anything until Bob Huggins was very casual saying the F slur twice on the air in West Virginia, or or, or in Ohio. And that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is people who are sitting on the fence when it comes to LGBTQ plus people. And it may move the needle for people. And like we talked about earlier, in Ohio, 70% of, 69% of people in Ohio believe that there should be discrimination protections for people, for LGBTQ plus people, protections based on race, sexual orientation, and gender identity. There should be legislation in place protecting anti-discrimination legislation in place protecting people based on gender identity and sexual orientation it's just the decisions of people in west virginia and in ohio and across the nation to systematic the anti-trans movement has not been a deal breaker in terms of switching their votes 
in terms of holding public officials accountable, in terms of financial donations, it has not been enough to prevent the anti-trans movement from moving across the, the United States. And in the cases of Ohio and West Virginia, these are states that were followers and not leaders on the anti-trans movement. The anti-trans movement began with states like Florida and Idaho, and states like Ohio and West Virginia have been late to the party as followers, as, hey, these other states are passing anti-trans, these other states with Republican governors and Republican lawmakers are passing discriminatory legislation. We should start passing discriminatory legislation. And as these states have moved with the middle to where it's now popular for states to pass anti-trans legislation, the anti-trans movement has become the norm across parts of the country. And as the anti-LGBTQ movement has become the norm in legislations and in um, in uh, the judicial branches, in, in courts across the country, upholding discriminatory laws and discriminatory practices, as the courts and as the legislation has now made it easy to pass transgender, anti-trans legislation and anti-LGBTQ legislation, so much so that we're on pace based on the first three months of the year. We are on pace for over a thousand anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ plus bills being passed in state law, state legislation across the United States as anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ legislation has been proposed on a national level in the House of Representatives most of it has been shot down during the Biden administration, but has been proposed over the last six years as the courts have upheld, the, including the Supreme Court, have upheld anti-LGBTQ plus legislation or in some cases have not taken the cases that would protect transgender and gay and bisexual and queer peoples. We have seen that the courts and the legislation have systematically worked to oppress transgender people and to oppress queer people and to uh, oppress and and systematically take away the rights of gay people and, and lesbians and bisexuals and transgenders and queers because it's what the it's what the middle is now. It's what the norm is. 18 states have started passing legislation and they don't seem to be stopping anytime soon because there's not going to be accountability for the people who are passing that legislation. And the reason that there is not going to be accountability is that even people who find it objectionable that the anti-trans movement has moved into their state and even people who have found it objectionable that there are discriminatory laws being passed across state houses, in, including in their state. While people may find it objectionable, it is not a deal breaker for them to stop electing the officials who are going to continue passing that legislation. It might not be something they support, and yet it's also not a deal breaker for changing their vote. It might move them, move the needle a little closer politically or in ideology or in morals and ethics. It might move the needle morally and ethically in a different direction. It's just not enough to make meaningful change. And while Bob Huggins is now someone who is actively doing harm, Bob Huggins before that was someone who was not moving the needle in either direction. Quietly a bigot, 
publicly deflecting. And while being the highest paid public employee in the state of West Virginia, likely, I do not know the correct answer to that, but likely the highest paid public employee in West Virginia, Bob Huggins was very content to not be someone pushing back against discriminatory legislation in West Virginia. Bob Huggins was very careful to be in the center of this argument, and while he's now actively doing harm that should require a level of accountability, there was not a level of accountability before that. And I think that is a broader issue that you could focus in on if you live in one of those states or if you're someone who is following a story like this and sees a conversation and sees a, a, sees an issue beyond whether Bob Huggins keeps his job or not. A real issue of people's livelihoods, the real lives of people who, again, LGBTQ plus youth experience higher rates of homelessness, gender dysphoria leads to higher rates of severe depression, anorexia, symptoms of depression such as sleeplessness, and in many cases, higher rates of suicide than the broader country. These are the real issues that we can always have conversations on. We've talked about it before with the lazy homophobia of the Tampa Bay Rays, the, the lazy homophobia of people coming after Brittany Griner and the conversation around her being a hero beginning in the WNBA season, a black queer woman who is viewed as a hero beginning with the WNBA season in 2023 when she returns from her 11 months in a Russian prison. We've talked about this story. We talked about it with the football is gay story from the NFL draft last year. We've talked about this story time and time again, which is there are real macro level issues, not just nationally, but also with the anti-trans movement spreading across the United States to the point where now we're seeing on pace for over a thousand bills across 24 states in the United States that will systematically oppress queer people and systematically oppress transgender people and take away their rights and make them less than human because of the simple philosophy in the case of transgender women it is this belief uh, john amici who is one of the most brilliant people who i've ever met and he, he has an incredible book he's the first publicly out former NBA player. He works as a clinical psychologist in Britain now. One of the most brilliant people that I've ever heard speak on this issue. Talked about how when it comes to transgender women who are disproportionately exposed to hate crimes, disproportionately likely to have their rights oppressed, for transgender women, it can be as simple as this idea, uh, and this is a, a really brilliant quote, it is as simple as this idea of why would you take this thing that is the greatest thing in the world, being a man, in the eyes of bigots, in the eyes of homophobes, why would you take this great thing of being a man and actively want to be this awful thing of being a woman? Or in the case of transgender women, why would you take this thing that is so beautiful, being a woman, and actively want to be this horrible thing of being a man. And these two philosophies are counterintuitive. They go against each other because it is saying that the thing that you were originally is wonderful and great, and the thing that you have become is awful and disgusting. It is this ideology of, 
why would you not want to be this thing that you are? And while transgender women are disproportionately more likely to be discriminated against than transgender men, both are being discriminated and having their rights oppressed at rates that are ridiculously high before 2018. And in the last five years, the anti-trans movement has worked to systematically oppress people who are transgender, to systematically keep people in the closet, to try and deny their existence within schools with legislation banning LGBTQ plus books. Uh, we talked about don't say gay bills in Florida and in Ohio. We have seen over the last five years a systematic oppression of transgender people in the legislative systems of the United States and in the court system of the United States. And you're seeing the results of that now where there is less accountability for discrimination. In fact, discrimination is encouraged. And in the case of Bob Huggins on a macro level, hundreds of thousands of people flocking to the support of Bob Huggins for being someone who is publicly a bigot and supporting public bigotry and the lack of accountability for public bigotry. And regardless of whether Bob Huggins remains as a coach, doesn't remain as a coach, is held accountable by the University of West Virginia, it defeats the purpose and defeats the conversation that could be had about how the state of West Virginia, which, as I learned doing research for this show, has more transgender people per capita than any state in the union, how West Virginia is systematically oppressing and taking away the systematically taking away the rights of transgender peoples and systematically working to undermine anti-discrimination legislation and working to make it easier for people uh, making punishments more lenient for people who commit hate crimes against transgender people. And in West Virginia and Ohio, there are microcosms for what has happened in states across the country over the last four years. And following the lead of Florida and Idaho, states like Ohio and West Virginia now are moving with the tide of the anti-trans movement in America. And it hasn't been a deal breaker for the people who are electing officials, for the people tasked with holding these elected officials accountable, even as Ohio finds it objectionable that there is not anti-discriminatory legislation in the state and that 70% of people in Ohio support the fact that there should be anti-discrimination legislation. There has not been accountability held to the elected officials of Ohio and West Virginia to make meaningful change in slowing the anti-trans movement and potentially working to empower transgender people and reverse the discriminatory legislation that has become a norm over the last five years. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. Again, all of the research that went into this piece is available with the link in the description to this episode. Specific thanks to NBC4 in Ohio. Specific thanks to the Human Rights Campaign. Uh, PBS NewsHour talking about West Virginia legislation. Uh, the public 
Religion Research Institute for providing that data on Ohio and the support of anti-discrimination law against uh, anti-discrimination law covering sexual orientation and gender identity. All of them and their research was incredibly instrumental in putting together this story. And I learned a thing or two about sexual orientation and gender identity in West Virginia and Ohio, which ultimately is what this Bob Huggins story should provide an opportunity for, to learn something new about what is happening with the anti-trans movement in West Virginia, Ohio, and the United States at large. So thanks for stopping in, everybody. Until we speak again, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.